Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is authentic conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. Uh, today I am back in Redding, California. We're here. We've got crazy smoke going down. Uh, but last week, Janine and I took our uh, second daughter. She's 18, and we dropped her off at university in northern New York State, so like uh, Four hours north of New York City so I've got some lessons from that and that experience that I want to share with you and uh, I'm thinking I don't even know what to call this what I learned from university perhaps um, I'm sure we'll work out something but here's the here's the thing so we land over there and uh, in particular this is Cornell University it's uh, uh, Emily is a transfer student so she transferred from a local university to over there dream come true for her and this is our first child to actually kind of officially leave home in a sense sort of leave home going to college never imagined this or what it was like but it was way harder than what i had thought or imagined in terms of driving away and leaving your daughter and literally in her case it's on the opposite side of the country that's like a day's travel by plane to even get there, three different flights. And that was kind of emotional, vulnerable, painful. And yet at the same time, we know that she set up the best as possible could be with connections and community and people around her. So what was it like and what did I learn in that process? A couple of things. Firstly, some things that I messed up, I want you to learn from, you can do better than me. And, uh, and then something that I'm learning and realizing we've done really, really well. And I've got a scripture to actually lock that in. It's Psalm 127. But first thing, the first point is generosity always wins. Uh, we got to go over there. That's a huge privilege to be even able to fly across the country and uh, be able to deliver your student into what's next. Whether they're moving house, moving job, moving whatever, to be able to help them do that. It was hugely significant in a significant time. And my wife is all over it. She's way smarter and more generous than me, even in this process. And so I noticed uh, we were going and getting her room set up. And we weren't just getting it set up for now, but literally uh, the supplies that she would need for probably the next six months we were taking care of, uh, where she's got space to deliver those. And I'm watching the, the bill in the cart fill up at the local Walmart and I'm thinking, dang, how much is this going to cost? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And I'm, then I'm putting it through the checkout and I'm counting the dollars. And I'm like, oh, oh my, oh my gosh. Look how much is this is costing us. And, and I was looking at the cost and then suddenly felt really convicted. You know, I, would, I, wouldn't, have a, I wouldn't hesitate to write out a check to be generous to uh, someone in need. Uh, we support some ministries in Mozambique with orphans or you know, the local city mission or a bunch of different things. I don't hesitate to give, but when was the last time I was extravagantly generous to my own family? And I just felt really convicted on that. What if I treated that as generosity? When was the last time that I was literally overflowing in generosity and didn't complain, but called it something I'm investing I'm being generous to my own family so it might sound stupid to you guys as you're listening but I want to encourage you generosity begins at home uh, if you find it easy to write out a check 
to give $100 here or $50 here or whatever it may be, but struggle to buy your spouse uh, a new dress or uh, take them out on a date, then something is wrong. There needs to be generosity in both places. So starts with that. And when I shifted that heart and attitude within me, it became a privilege. It became something that we're sowing in and just completely changed the perspective. So number one, generosity always wins. Number two, um, uh, when you drop your daughter off at college, this particular college is a college town. So there's, I think, 20,000 plus students in, in one place. And there's another college in town. So literally flying across the country looking for a place to stay, there was virtually nowhere that would have been okay to stay with unless it was really expensive. And I was watching the dollars and watching how much it's like, oh my gosh, how can I have all of those different thoughts are going through my head. So I scroll through and I find this hotel that was a little bit further away, so it was cheaper. Uh, we have to drive 30 minutes in. That would be fine. I can, you know, we, that's, you know, that's cheap. The drive plus we'll be with our daughter at the time so that's going to work and the photos look good it's a you know it's a two and a half star hotel but look the price is good the photos look good and uh and it'll be quality time with the family so everyone agrees well we land there and walk into this hotel room and it the the ac was off it smelled like someone's dinner um, from the night before the tap was leaking, the door to the bathroom uh, didn't close properly, and my wife and my daughter walked into that and were like visibly, hmm. Now, we could have done that. We could have just put up with it, but I realized, you know what? It doesn't matter what it looks like, what the photos say, a two and a half star is a two and a half star. Don't be fooled. So it cost me dearly. Now, I know I made the right decision, and I'm never going to regret this a month or a year from now, but it was would have been way smarter to actually bite the bullet and do it right the first time round. A two-and-a-half star is a two-and-a-half star, regardless of what the photos pimped out look like. It Don't do it. Take the cost, count the cost, and just go... Do it once, do it right. I know these things, again, are pretty obvious for you, but uh, just was some of the dumb decisions that I've made in the last week that I want you to make a smarter decision. One, a generous to your family. It starts there. Number two is, uh, you know, bite the bullet, do it well, do it once, and you will not regret it. Think long-term rather than the short-term. So that would be number two. And finally... Uh, dropping a daughter off at college makes you realize, you know, I have uh, children are a long-term goal. Discipleship, I've been thinking around discipleship, and we have, we, church, has reduced discipleship to a program with outsourced instructors, facilitators, and teachers when the process of discipleship is a process, it's never a program. Jesus literally walked with the disciples. The, the downside of that is you never really know whether it's working or not because it's day in, day out. It's long term. It's not some six-month discipleship course or program. That is a surrogate for the real thing. The real thing is in the life of people. Jesus spent time every single day. He was with the disciples in a boat, in a house, on a hill, with a crowd, uh, he was in and out in, in every situation with them, walked with them, 
that's what discipleship truly is like. Thessalonians says this, that Paul's writing to Thessalonians and says, when I was with you, you saw my life imitate me. It's that whole thing of you get to see me, not when I stand up and teach a class. That's called teaching. That may be called education, if you learn something. Otherwise, it's just time spent with my ears being tickled. True discipleship takes time, and it's in the life of people. And I got to see a daughter who was stepping into an environment, a dream coming through, true for her, studying industrial and labor relations, something that I would never desire to do. But for her, that's a step for her future. And we now get to stand back and look at was the last 18 years of discipleship, of growing a child in home from diapers to dressing themselves to elementary school to high school and everything in between. I can genuinely say, oh my gosh, I am so grateful for the decisions now that we made to prioritize family when at the time it was costly. At the time it would have been more convenient or more socially acceptable to go to different things, to serve in different places. But because we made the priority family over everything else, over events, over church, we made family the most important thing. Because we've done that, we get to see the fruit of that now. And I was just reading Psalm 127. So here's what it says. Uh, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So unless the Lord builds your business, builds whatever it is, builds your ministry, your career, it's actually vanity going at it really, really hard. Unless he's with you in the process, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I'm thinking of things that are happening internationally right now with different nations. It's like un unless God's doing it, we just spend 20 years vanity involved in something that's incredibly painful because of the decisions that are made outside of our control verse 2 it is vain for you to rise up early to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows the bible says that when god makes rich he adds no sorrow it's a big big deal so you can step back it's not my family pay the price for the things that i get to do so that i can serve so i can do these things no it's vain to rise up early and sit up late to eat the bread of, bread of sorrow, for so he gives his beloved sleep. But it doesn't stop there. It just flows on. Verse 3. Behold, as in, pay attention to this, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the, room, of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with the enemies in the gate. What's the point? If you're working so hard with your, whatever you want to call it, a business, a startup, a ministry, a calling, a whatever it is, that you don't get to spend time, one, resting, two, play. Rest and play are indicators of whether I'm living a vain life, vanity metrics, building something that doesn't really count. I was just reading in the news this morning about a particular uh, biotech company started around the early 2000s, got up to $10 billion value. Forbes 100, 
all these credibility, female leader, and then it's just turned out in the late, early 2012, 13, that it was fraud. It wasn't even real. Vanity. And all of these people jumped in on that. Why? Because they're judging success by something external, what everyone else is doing. It is vanity. Vanity metrics. But I love this. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. What's the point? Rest and play are key indices for you to know whether you're aiming your life right in the long term. Do you have time to play with your kids, to be a friend, to rest, to be creative, and have your trust not in working 20 hours a day to make something happen, but truly trust that God has your back and He literally gives His beloved sleep. There's so much in this. I want to encourage you to go back and read it, Psalm 127, and realign, check your success metrics. Are you doing what's really important? When you stand back, are you just doing a program or are you living a life that has these components in it? Maybe it's not your children because you can't have them, but there's always people around you, whether spiritual or physical children or people that you can invest and sow in because you have made the priority of rest and play and time. He truly gives his beloved sleep. So Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for children that are a gift from you. Thank you for our kids that are leaving home, changing, making decisions on their own. For every person listening to this right now, I just pray that just that Holy Spirit conviction, that we would order our days aright, that we would number our days, that we would know and invest our time into that which is truly successful. We invest it in people and that, that we would get to see the fruit of that. Even in the day out and day in grind of developing people, of discipleship that begins at home. Lord, show us the final goal. Show us the final picture. And keep us focused on that, that we wouldn't get weary in doing good, but we'd stay engaged and hopeful. And Father, where I screwed up and missed it, thank you for your grace to forgive, to restore, to heal, to learn generosity that starts at home, and to be... Uh, do it once, do it right, that I wouldn't be poverty-minded, but I'd actually do things right the first time and be generous in every way. Hey, thanks for listening. I trust this has been valuable to you. Uh, make sure you list, learn those lessons. If you've got any questions, comments, please don't hesitate to email me, andy at authentic-solutions.com. And you have a wonderful week.